Hello. I would like to welcome everybody to this seventh episode of the Chilling with Dylan podcast. Today's guest is Wes Bergman from The Challenge. He's a two-time Challenge champion, and he was recently on The Challenge Double Agents. We're going to talk about all things Double Agents, him picking Natalie, his thoughts on the champions being targeted, and his career as a whole. Enjoy. All right. Well, I want to start off by saying thanks for doing this. Um, so my first question I just want to start off with is 2020 has been crazy. How are you doing? How's everything going um, in Kansas City, just with life in general? You know, it's, uh, it's, ho- it's horrible and amazing all at the same time. Like, I mean, it is, it is what it is. Uh, um, my, my, it's taken me a year to digest what happened to my business, thankfully. I can't tell if that was like being naive or optimistic or busy because of challenge stuff, mm-hmm. but my business almost had to stop. And I kept saying, oh, we've slowed down, we've gone virtual and all that stuff was true for a while, but I haven't taken on a new customer in uh, nine months. Um, now I only take on new customers about every six months anyway, but uh, it is, it's just kind of scary because- yeah. And, and what that means. But in that time, because of the extra freedom, my business has ran several very risky tests. Mm-hmm. And one or two of them is blowing up. So what's interesting is when the world opens back up, Betablocks is going to open up as well. And it is going to it is, I mean, we're going to be running rampant in a slightly different direction, but it's kind of scary how much it put me on my ass, but because I didn't just sit back, uh, it's been, it's pretty exciting to, to know what's going to happen kind of starting in the summer. But it, it is, I mean, I remember hearing the news and seeing some of like the people in my industry that I respect the most talking about what was about to happen to everybody. And I, I just started crying. Um, and I did that alone in my office and I got it out of my system, but I mean, it was like, it was, yeah. it was a big, it's a big blow because not only is my business massively affected, my business owns part of like 300 businesses and all yeah. of their shit was affected too. And I just knew how, how negative the next year was going to be. And I was right. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we get into last night's episode, we just talked about COVID for a little bit, and you obviously filmed during COVID. So I want to know, not only what was that like, but did you have any hesitation? Uh, yeah, it made it, 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 it was one of the, one, one of the easier to challenge decisions to go on uh, because of COVID, right? Because the, my business isn't operating in full capacity, and it just felt like there was a lot of extra time. There was, there was zero hesitancy. And they had such good answers along the whole process about what they were going to do to make sure that we were safe and comfortable throughout the entire time. And because of how much they have to lose, they had to go overboard on safety. I was more safe with them, at least from a COVID standpoint, than I would have been doing my normal lifestyle, going to the grocery store here. Um, So it was, uh, you know, I was, I was okay with everything. Mm -hmm. All right. So I want to get into the mess that was last night's episode. There's been a lot of different opinions. So just 
before we get into like the nitty gritty details, what are your overall thoughts on last night's episode? Uh, you know, I, I watched it while I was rowing, which is a new, a new exercise modality for me that I am starting to fall in love with. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I can do things like watch, I can watch stuff and get my heart rate up without having to, um, pound the pavement, like running and it's easier than running, but yet, so I could do some car. I can tell it's like old man cardio is what it boils down to. So anyone who's like starting to become an old person should strongly consider a rowing machine. And I got a considered a really good rower for like a thousand bucks. So, um, I, it's a highly affordable and it came in like three days. So, it, you know, to people that have a space and are in kind of a quarantine, it's a very, it's a very effective tool. But anyway, I was, I laughed out loud really, really hard at my favorite line of the episode, which was CT's talk about how, oh, I'm the original gamer and I'm the eight bit this and up that and up that. That to me was hilarious. And I couldn't, I almost had to stop rowing because I was laughing so hard. And I also just want to like say that is where that is so quintessential CT. That's how he is when he lets his guard down is he, I know he's got this reputation for being this badass and I hope that I'm not exposing him, but this man is a, this man is a, a fluffy little cuddly tiger um, that is a nerd. I mean, it is what it is. Like he's like, yeah, he might be able to beat me up, but I don't ever really view him that way. I view him as this nerd that's got all these gaming kind of cheat codes memorized. And so that was him. And so I laughed out loud a lot at that. And then the elimination was so intense. I, it was like an uncomfortable intense where I kind of laughed too. And I wasn't finding it funny at all. It was the opposite of funny, um, kind of scary and dangerous. Um, but yet I was like, it was so entertaining. It, the whole episode was a mess though. So there was, they were what, a couple of inches away from not a single competitor being able to even complete the daily challenge. Then we get this, even though it was an entertaining elimination, um, it was awkward watching a friend cross another friend somewhat unnecessarily and then get into a game where, yes, it was very entertaining to watch, but I can't find an, a good attitude because it wasn't positive. It, it didn't make me happy. It didn't make me scared. It didn't make it, 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 it was just uncomfortable to watch, but still weirdly entertaining. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it was a good episode, but it was messy. And I have this feeling that it's not going to get unmessy. I think that. I think that what you all saw last night is going to be the rest of the season. And and now I'm out. So I have no idea. Now I'm just talking as a fan. I think it's just going to be a messy season. Um, yeah. So I want to get into the elimination a little bit. We see them walk into the hall brawl and Bessie goes up to Tori and asks to go in. So what are your thoughts on the Bessie and Tori dynamic? Because they're obviously rumors swirling around the world. I'm sure you've seen them. But they're obviously number ones or number twos because she gave him exactly what he wanted right away without even thinking about it when he asked five minutes before the decision was made. So what are your thoughts on their friendship, relationship, partnership, whatever you want to call it, and her eventually letting him get go into the elimination? Well, you know, when he – okay, it, when you're in a position that they were in and you have to say a name – strategically, if you can get away with saying somebody's name, that's literally asking for it. That's why you always hear this like cliche, okay, are there any volunteers? 
You, you always say that because about 20% of the time there is for various reasons. Um, and, 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 in, and in a skull game, that percentage is way higher. I mean, it's, a, it's like 80% of the time there's a volunteer. So if you can vote for a volunteer, then you get to say someone's name and technically they now owe you because you're giving them what they've asked for and you're not creating an enemy. So um, it's, I, I don't think that you have to be in an alliance. I don't, even though they might've been, and, and I'm, I might be able to break that down a little bit, but I didn't personally see of it or hear of it. And I don't think they were in an alliance at that point. I think that they barely knew each other. I think that it boils down to, um, they had like-minded friends. They were maybe in a, in a, in a burgeoning collaborative environment and he volunteered and it was really easy for her to say yes to that. And I think it's, I think it's about that simple. Um, and then with Devin, I think he was, I think Devin realized, uh, it, and it kind of shows the fatal flaw in the rules of he just won an elimination, just won the daily, is on top of the world. And yet if she volunteered to go in, he could go in again in a hall brawl against Fessy, at which point, and yeah, he'd lose. He'd get, he'd get his ass kicked, as would I. What, at which point you ask, what is the point of the daily challenge? What's the point of the deliberations? What's the point of any of it? And so I think that that kind of exposed their rule a little bit. And so, but when you look at it that way, then all of a sudden, even Devin, who is who should be perfectly safe, has a massive incentive to vote for somebody, anybody else. So if there's a volunteer do that. And I think I heard a rumor that they were kind of talking about volunteering before they saw Hall Brawl. So we saw Fessy versus Nelson, and then Nelson did an Instagram Live and said he still hasn't talked to Fessy since then. Mm-hmm. Do you think these two will eventually mend the fence, or do you think it will be on bad blood for next season and the season after that between Nelson and Fessy? I think we, I think that they're going to hate each other for a long time. And I don't think that they're, I think that what it boiled down to was the, the fandom was too quick to kind of add Fessy to, to a TYB team. And instead of him just being a collaborator with TYB, they started kind of hyping it up too early, but I don't think that they were, you know, you kind of have to ask yourself, when were they really all that good of friends? And the answer is they weren't. It was like a premature filling of the hunter role maybe mm-hmm. so i think that one of fessy's big arguments that he's gonna make um you know on his patreon or 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 publicly or whatever is gonna be like yo like d- when was i this crazy big nelson friend like and and he's got a point um you know we i think the world put them together more than they put themselves together mm-hmm. um so we saw Fessy go in against this quote unquote friend. So I want to ask you, if you were ever in a situation where you could put yourself in and in an elimination that you knew you were going to win, hands down, whether it be a puzzle or something you've done before, would you put yourself in against, let's say a, a Devin or a Hunter um, or a Nehemiah, one of your close friends? Would you have done that if you knew it was a surefire gold skull for you? Never. Never at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to give you a longer answer, but the answer is it's it's it, it never, and especially in a in a skull game. And this is what people are really having a hard time understanding, which is why it was it made no sense why I got crossed, 
because everyone can basically just get in line and go in when they want. And there was enough people that were volunteering. So it's like they, anyone who went against me basically made me as an enemy now, potentially for multiple seasons, if not at the very least next season, or maybe I won and wasn't came back and was an enemy with them that season all so they could what like wait two days and then them start volunteering like it uh it it was a, it's a big risk um and it's and either they're idiots and they don't view it that way or they're throwing me in for ulterior motives um which is probably more true um so i want to talk about the red skull gold skull twist as a whole you've been on the challenge for a long time what are your thoughts on it does it work does it not work does it need improved what are they going to improve about it? Right. It's a, I think it was a good idea. I think it was a good idea and it should have been left on the drawing room floor and, and, and whoever, whoever thought of it and put it on a whiteboard first should get a raise, but then whoever kept it, whoever went through with it on the first test should have, they should have to defend themselves why they're not getting fired. And then whoever said that they're doing it again for a second time after it didn't work the first time should potentially get fired and and i know probably who it is and they don't deserve to get fired so i'm saying that very exaggeratively um but it didn't work the first time and and i kind of find it pathetic on their end that they did all this just because the fandom was like oh people skate rogan skated car skated and then almost everyone that skated the season prior that they built this role for wasn't even on total madness so now everyone's suffering these completely unentertaining ramifications of a rule to prevent a bunch of people that aren't even there any longer um, from skating. And, and it takes, as far as I'm concerned, all the drama out because everyone's got to go in now. So now we all just line up. We get in, a, we get in some sort of an order. There was, on, on Total Man, I don't know what's about to happen this season because obviously I wasn't there now. But on Total Madness, there was no fighting. Everyone just got in line. And we, we got in line. That was it. We got in line. We volunteered and we all went in. And there was no really points of contention because everyone had to go in. And that was that. And yeah, there might have been a sketchy one at the end when everyone kind of already had a skull. But then you ask yourself, like, what was the point of the skulls if everyone's now got one? That would have that happened in nine out of 10 seasons anyway. Like the whole skating all the way to the finals thing has happened like three times ever. So why do we need this rule to prevent it? Mm -hmm. So I want to go to the beginning when you guys pick partners. So I think you had a confession where you were talking about how you wanted Natalie. She's a beast. She won Survivor. Um, but I want to know who were your other options that you were thinking besides Natalie? And then looking back, do you wish you would have went with somebody who had more connections since Natalie, even though she's great, was a rookie who didn't have that many friendships going into it? Yeah. Um, well, we, it's not like I had days to think about it, at which point you would have started to think of option B and option C, but I had 10 seconds to think about it. You, you don't have time to think about that. You have time to think about, okay, what, what do you want? And I wanted her and I don't change my assessment. She's as good as I thought that she was, um, very well-rounded made it made for this kind of stuff, like the exact type of person and smart and can talk. Right. So it's not some just like dud. You can have like a good teammate conversation and really, you know, it could be very beneficial. She was great. Um, so I had a plan A and the plan A worked out. And but hindsight, yes, is indeed 2020. 
And it would have taken, even ever, knowing everything that I know now, it is still hard to say that I wouldn't choose Natalie. And even though I technically would have to not choose Natalie, yeah. but she's still the best, if not close to the best girl that's there. So if, but I wouldn't choose her because now, now looking back at it, the strategy is way more Survivor-esque where in Survivor, you want to be the shittiest player for like the first 80% of the game and then get really lucky the last 20% and just pull out some wins out of your asses. Um, and then you can win the million dollars. But if you're too good too early, then you just get picked off. And it felt like it felt like that was happening to us because we were debatably one of the best pairs that had ever been put together in like the history in the entire game. So looking back, you'd want to be paired with either a girl that's really heavily connected or a girl that's just flat out bad and quiet mm -hmm. um and and natalie wasn't bad at all she's very very good and very intimidating you pair that with me it had everyone scared mm -hmm. so i want to but i mean it's not like i knew that I, di I didn't know that people could change partners and all this stuff so it wasn't like a appear for 80% of the game and then steal her at the end that that wasn't like a thing so you we thought we were making game long decisions um and so you know I don't take it back mm -hmm. all right so I want to play this game that I've been playing with I've had a couple big brother players on last season during the big brother season um just your first impressions when you saw some of the cast members um so I want to see Lola Jones was obviously the big prize that we got this season as she's an Olympian. What was your first thought when you saw Lola Jones was actually on a regular season of the challenge? Um, I'm not, I wasn't all that surprised. Um, you know, just because she kind of in the eco champs versus pros, she hosted the, the thing, the Olympics were canceled. She's kind of friends with, she's become friends with some of the challengers. Uh, so I wasn't all that surprised, but I think it's, I think that it was a big, it was a big score for the challenge to get her because she's an incredible, incredible asset to the challenge family. Um, you know, there are risks with her, um, and those risks may or may not be exposed to kind of later on in the game. I kind of assume that they will be. Um, so everyone's going to kind of know what I'm talking about there, but, from a casting standpoint, if she says yes, you you put her on the show, mm -hmm. and um, you know it had all of our girls shaking in their boots because the guys we this isn't our first Olympic level male right and professional athlete male and college athlete males. I mean, if you call, if you count D one college athletes, Olympians, or professional athletes then there's been 25 or 30 of them in the last five years, which means a large percentage of the guys are fleets. And then on the female side, it ain't like that. Um, their pool of people that they're getting people from is uh, not is not like that. And so if, if they pulled the male version of Lolo Jones and they put them him in our show, it'd be like, okay, there's another heavy hitter. Great. It's as bad as it's always been. But with, with Lolo, they finally had to start saying, oh, fuck. 
is the beginning of the end for me. Um, cause most, I mean, there's, there ain't no comparison between Lolo and quite a few of our women. Um, before we get to the next first impression, I do want to ask your thoughts on Jenny from last season versus mm -hmm. Lolo. And how do you think that would have went just like in a final or elimination? Because Jenny's been billed as one of the best female competitors ever. I mean, the way she was shown last season. So what are your thoughts on that? Those two? Um, God, that's a tough hypothetical. And that's actually not the first time that I've been asked that. I mean, Lolo would beat her in most things, right? Uh, Lolo's, a, Lolo's a better athlete. Um, now, yeah, I mean, that's what, it, that's what it boils down to. Um, now, Jenny's just really good. It's just we're comparing Jenny now to one of the most important females in the history of sport. And it, isn't it weird, like, saying that? But I'm not even exaggerating that much. Um and so, so when I say that Lolo would win, that's not a knock on Jenny. That's a compliment to Lolo. Um, but no, I think that Lolo would be Jenny at, at most things. But Jenny is a well-rounded person. Like, yeah, she gets credit for being strong and kind of like having a bodybuilder physique and, 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 and just being in re really good fitness and being smart. But she's got a little bit of everything. Um, and so it would be, it'd be a good matchup. There's, there's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so my next first impression is Teresa, who you last saw in Exodus Two. Um, What's her? That's not a first impression. Well, when you when you first saw her, that she was coming back after like five years. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, I get off the uh, I get off the plane in Los Angeles, and I and you know how you turn your phone on, and it's been off for a couple hours or whatever. Turn it on, I've got a text message from Nani. Nani's like, I just saw. Teresa in the lobby um and I'm like oh fuck uh so that was technically my first impression I was like <laughs> no way um and uh, uh so yeah it was it was it was a little bit shocking um but yeah she had not told anybody no one had any idea and yeah I was uh, very surprised but I was happy for her um because you know she's she's definitely deserved a shot or two more and now she gets it but you know her and i ended on it was really really healthy for her and i to be partnered together on x's too because we you know those are that's a very therapeutic game if you're like oh you're you're partnered together you're going to work together to win a bunch of money um and it's like a team building exercise and so we like kind of transformed from whatever we were before into just kind of friends and work colleagues during that experience and it was very healthy and you know we didn't fight we were on the same page it was it was just it, it was a very healthy partnership and then that and that was the last time i saw her so again it back up where we left off um, a little weird that she didn't tell me she was coming because that would have been an easy DM, you know, mm -hmm. and say, hey, like, I haven't been here for a while. I'm coming back. What do you think? You know, that kind of stuff. But literally, I found out from Nani, you know, when I showed up to the hotel. Okay. And then the next one I have is Darrell, who had a little stint on Invasion and Dirty 30, but you weren't on those seasons. So the last mm -hmm. time you had an actual season with him 
I believe was fresh meat too when you threw him a car in the first week. Well, no. Uh, everyone wants to brush champs first pros under the rug, right? But that doesn't, you know, it is what it is. It was a nationally televised, highly watched, basically the same thing as the challenge. It was harder than every season prior to, let's say, the 14th or 15th season. So either A, people have to like not mention the first 10 years of the challenge, or B, you have to start giving the champs for stars credit. The f- and this is the most important part of this whole story here, is the finals on champs first pros was we had to wear some percentage of our body weight in a weighted vest for the final run. And I don't remember what the percentage was, but it was like 20%, which means that someone like me would carry 40 pounds in a waist weight vest. And it was a roughly a 10 mile run and it wasn't flat. And then in the 10 mile run, there was multiple eating challenges. One of which, by the way, even though I didn't suffer the ramifications this day, uh, but days later I got salmonella poisoning from it. So, and that was miserable. So that's how I know the date is because it was, I, I almost died on Easter, which meant that the final was about four days prior to Easter and whatever year that was. Cause I remember where I was, it was so fucking bad. Um, so there was two eating things. You had to run 10 miles, not flat ground while wearing 40 pounds. That's, I would run a marathon over that any day of the week. Like a marathon is a marathon is easy peasy compared to that. And Darrell smoked me, smoked me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't do bad. He just fucking smoked me. And he also smoked a gold medalist Olympian. And he also smoked a NFL star and he carried Carmaria on his shoulder. The man is built for finals. Yeah. And so uh, you know, it is what it is. Like you, you could sweep it under the rug all you want, but I have within the last two years watched this man murder me. Um, okay. So going into Darrell being a champion, you being a champion, CT and Ashley, um, the first episode was all about getting the champions out. Um, how quickly did you realize that over on the outs, you have to start talking to people, they're coming for us because we've won before? Um, I don't know. I mean, I found out in the deliberation. Oh, okay. So um, yeah, about as late as it comes. I didn't, because like get the champions out is such a, it's, it isn't necessarily, it, it's a great talking point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great one layer. But it's not the reason why it's never been done like that before is because it's not strategically necessarily the right move. So I think that uh, uh, I don't know. It it doesn't it doesn't make sense. It's not I don't know. It wasn't the right move. But it uh, yeah no. I, it took me by surprise. I didn't find out until the deliberation, and it and it definitely took me by surprise. I was uh, very scared because I saw. You know, obviously I qualify as one of those champions and which meant everyone was going to be ganging up on me. And that was very disappointing to see. So the first elimination was Ashley versus Natalie. And a lot of people thought it was going to be a males because we the last couple of years was a male elimination, um, which would have been you versus CT. How do you think that would have turned out? And obviously it would change the game completely. But would you rather have had that knowing what happens um, within the next few episodes? 
Okay, so one, I would have smoked CT. Like, and, and CT would beat me in a lot of things. Not that, you know, yeah. like, and, and, and I give credit to my fellow competitors debatably more than anyone else. I'm, I, I, it is what it is. I'm very, um, I don't know, fair when it comes to it. And I thus, I want, I, when I say, when I brag, I want people to take it seriously. And I'm calling that favorite right now because I would have fucking smoked him in this. Um, cause it, it's, I'm made for this kind of thing and he's not. Um, but I don't think it would have changed anything because what would have happened is I would have beat him. He would have gone home. I would have chose to stay with Natalie mm -hmm. and nothing would have changed. The fact that I have this gold skull now is arbitrary. It would have meant nothing. In fact, if anything, it would have made them even more upset because now I've got a ticket to the final. So um, it wouldn't, it, nothing would have changed because I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had the, the courage yet to, to change partners to either a really bad girl or to another like politically connected girl. I wouldn't have understood that yet. Like look, looking at it now as an armchair quarterback. Yeah. Okay. I get it. Choose like when choose a girl that's like horrible um, and hide but I would, I, I, by that point in time, did not, would not have ever made that move. And I would have kept Natalie because Natalie is the best girl. I would have, and it would have felt like the right move at the time. And uh, it's just looking back at it. No, the answer is you would have wanted to beat CT, get your gold skull, and then choose whatever, whoever I would consider to be the worst girl there. Mm -hmm. Not even the most politically connected, just the worst girl there. Um, so I want to talk about another rookie. You put on your Instagram story some love for Liv, who we mm -hmm. saw leave for the uh, she got injured. Um, can you just explain a little bit more why why you said what you did on Instagram about Liv? Yeah. Okay. So some people thought I was joking. Most people understood, but no, I was, I'm not joking at all. There was a couple of, she had a couple of one-liners that did make the show that had me completely laughing out loud. Like uh, my, my favorite one of hers was, it, it was something about, you know, her forgetting guys numbers or something. I forget what it was, but it was, it was good. She had a lot of passion. She was hilarious. She's very pretty. She's young. So it would be a good investment on MTV's part to invest in a young person because if she works out and I think that she's got all the tools to work out, then she might be able to last longer than I've lasted in this whole ecosystem, right? There, there's no way that that's not part of MTV's investment decisions, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's one of the drawbacks of Lolo Jones is even if she works out well, she's 40, right? So what's she going to do? Be on the challenge for the next 10 years? It's like, I don't care how good of an athlete you are. That's not really an option. But Liv would be because I think she's like 21. So she was hilarious. Um, she was making moves politically. Like as a rookie, you don't really know where to start, but some rookies get paralyzed and not knowing where to start. And so they don't do anything. And I would classify that, that being, that's what eight out of 10 of them did. But Liv, she didn't know really where to start, but she still started. And that's all you can ask for. And when she started, she got to know people. She got to ask the right questions. And she was starting to get picked up by various groups. 
And, and so that's why it was an unfortunate way to end her first season with an injury, but thankfully it wasn't a big enough. It, it might've been a small enough injury to where I would be very surprised if we don't see her on the next season, quite frankly. Um, I have no idea if she will be or not. It's that, that is none of my business. Um, and and I'm, I'm, I've, I've been kind of obsessed with another couple of projects in the last several weeks. So I'm kind of behind on the lava, if you will. But if it, it, whoever shows up to 37, if she's not on that list, I will be very surprised. And uh, I think it will be very deserving. Mm-hmm. But I do want to talk about the rookies. We've had a lot of rookies debut. War of the Worlds one was half the cast of rookies. We had a few last season um, on Total Madness and then a lot of rookies this season to a point where some of the fans are a little annoyed that we don't get to know some of these quote-unquote characters because they only get one season and they're off. Um, so if you just talk about all the rookies we've seen, who's impressed you the most? And then do you agree that some of these people do need a second chance? Like, for example, Sean on War of the Worlds 2, who was the first one out, hasn't been seen since, but a lot of people want him to come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I don't know... It's almost easier to kind of, I like, I'm I'm thankful that you gave me an example and I could use a couple more examples because it's, it's, I, I can't cast a judgment Mm -hmm. over everything. And also there's the casting and MTV and BMP have certain information that I'm not going to get because some of these people, you know, but, but, but if I was going to cast a blanket and we're not going to talk about Sean for a second, cause I think that he doesn't fall underneath the blanket that I'm about to describe. And I will talk about him specifically, but, um, the blanket is this, most of the rookies have either fucked themselves in one way, shape or form where they have either mentally broken and quit or done something unprofessional or racist or something along those lines where MTV's his hands are tied and they want to bring him back and they want to give him a second shot, but it's completely their fucking fault. And, 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 and to it's, and, and minus the racism thing, some of the mistakes that some of the rookies are making is coachably and preventable. So it kind of, and you know, one of the reasons why I've been able to thrive is for this long is because I've been able to be my own coach knowing there ain't a coach, there ain't a mentor, no one's going to help you. How do you read the room and fix this? Mm-hmm. And a lot of these people don't have the ability to do that on their own. And, and quite frankly, I don't blame them. The average person doesn't. MTV should have an employee that coaches them. And there's not that. Um, and quite frankly, I've taken on that job. MTV should pay me because I've been, I do quite a bit of that. It's just, I do it with my friends. So I'm very unfair with it um but notice how my friends and i don't know i guess there is an exception or two there um but it it is what it is like um they they, some people could use some coaching or whatever but i think that they're they're making a lot of they're stepping in their own shit and it's mostly just their fault now the sean one that is a good example because um okay let's let's break it down completely sean is fucking hot let's be real he's completely ripped and he got hosed by going into a very physical game against a professional athlete at almost an apples to apples his sport 
So the guy got fucked. I, I mean, he didn't get to try some random carnival game or some game that would have been completely new to Idris. It was like he went into a fucking circle and had to battle a professional fighter. Um, and so I feel incredibly bad about this situation. I feel bad that he got ganged up on, but it was it was a very nice gang up. I say gang up just because it was it was a mathematical gang up, and that's it. He, the, but the only argument, okay, and this is this would be me being this is just constructive criticism. We are a bunch of alphas, so I understand why he acted like this. In fact, this makes me want to be friends with him, but he was so quiet. He he didn't engage with anybody. He was just kind of, and, and it's because everyone was just like these al annoying alphas. And so that's how a normal person would act in those situations. It's just normal people don't get cast for a second season. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you've got to find a way to also be an annoying alpha or, you know, creatively maneuver around. And he, and, and that would be the knock on him. Um, and that might be the answer. There also might be something else in there, but that I don't know of, but that would be the knock, which, which is he was incredibly quiet the entire time that he was there. And NTV has to take the data that they have and extrapolate it. And, and, you know, that small sample size, you have to kind of bring it in that sample size. Otherwise, you know, you know, there's too many people that want those spots to give a second chance to someone that, uh, you know, kind of had a difficult time in their first part. But yeah, that that's a weird one. It, it, the, he's one of those guys that would have gotten second, third, fourth chances back in the day, but it's just so fucking competitive nowadays to get and stay on the show that there isn't really a thing such as second chances. I do want to ask your expertise. Do you think Joseph will get a second chance? Because he had some drama um, with you, um, but he did, he came from America's Got Talent, so that kind of threw everybody off. So what are your thoughts on Joseph as a competitor? And do you think he will get another shot in the future? I don't know. That's a good one. Um, as far as what we've seen, like, and tell me if I'm wrong, but it, he's done the most of any of the rookies thus far. Yeah. Like, do you believe that? Cause I kind of do. Cause I can't think of another rookie that has. Um, he had some good interviews. He made me laugh a couple of times. He called me out now stupid. Yes, but, but, but still he did his job. Um, and he, he did a good job in the elimination. He went up against a very tough guy. It's something that that's the kind of thing that Kyle's really good at. Um, so I, I think there's a, a good chance we'll see him again. Um, but who knows? I mean, you know, who knows? It was, who knows that, 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 that's a, that's a tough one. Again, there's just, there's a line of proven entertainers that are also athletic and want to be on the challenge. And so you have to, it's a, it's a tough ask to say, okay, give the guy from America's got talent a second shot that lost in the first elimination. It's it, that's a, that's a really gutsy call. And, um, I would, I would respect it if they did it. I would understand it um, and I would grasp it, but it's still a gutsy call because it was gutsy to put him on in the first place. And then he gets out first and he basically makes a move because he's admitted that it was for clout. And now it's like, okay, are we going to do that again? Like that, that goes from gutsy to fireable. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so I want to ask you, since I think Vendettas was the first season that we casted, like Big Brother and the UK people, um, from Vendettas on, who are the three people from, not from Real World, Road Rules, are you the one that you think were best for the challenge? Competitive, personality, like three people that you think could become the next Car Maria, CT West, Bananas, um, from this like newer generation? Um, okay, Natalie. I think she's got a lot there. Um, you know, it's a small sample size thus far. And technically, you've seen everything I saw because I've now lost. So anything that goes on now, now I get jealous. So she's in there. She's having fun in her interviews with Corey last night in, their, in the little drone challenge. And I got jealous like she was my girlfriend or something. It was kind of cool, but kind of weird. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I think, she's, I think she's got it. Then we've got Kyle. Like Kyle's the easiest answer to that. Kyle is quintessential challenger. And I've, and, and what I love about Kyle is he's as entertaining at 11 a.m. on a Tuesday as he is in a confessional on international television. So everyone loves him for his confessionals. They love him for his like witty banter and all this shit. He is like that 24 hours a day. He is hilarious. And it's constant. And he doesn't even mean to be funny because it's not like, it's not jokes. Like he couldn't do stand-up. He's just, just naturally just funny and makes you laugh. And he's so dumb that he doesn't feel pain because he's missing so many parts of his brain because just he's an idiot that one of the pieces of his brain that he's missing is the part that feels pain. So he can go into like a, a ring challenge or a long distance challenge or something and while the other guy or the other competitors are like tired or feeling pain or whatever, he doesn't feel that because he's not all there upstairs. And, you know, his idiocy actually aids him in his athleticism. Okay. And then who's one more that you think? Um, uh, I mean, there's a couple of good ones. It's hard not to say Rogan. I'm trying not to say Rogan because I know he's in a little bit of trouble. Um, but, you know, to keep kind of politics out of it, Rogan checks off a lot of boxes. Um, then, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, shit. Every time I think of a name, how many people, how many new people in the last like, 800 days that have been admitted have been canceled or fired. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. And the ones that didn't get a second shot, didn't get a second shot for a reason. So, you know, it's uh, th that it is what it is. Like, I do understand that change is hard to watch. I understand that the fans don't like the new people. I get that. I've been, I've been hearing that now for my, the entirety of my, of my tenure with the challenge. Um, but rookies are an unnecessary, or excuse me, what's the word? Is a, are a necessary quote unquote evil. Such a weird analogy or phrase, right? But um, with, without rookies, there is no future. So everyone needs to be way more open to rookies than they are because, uh, you know, if there is no rookie, then we're really talking, if there's no rookie class, then how are they going to replace people like me? Because soon, I need to be replaced. And so do other people that are in my shoes and that are, are my age. We need to be replaced and we need to be replaced responsibly. Um, so that way the show continues because I want to watch the show forever. 
And if I'm not replaced properly, I'm not leaving. But if I'm replaced properly, then we'll then then I will leave accordingly. And so we need good rookie classes. And part of that is going to be the fandom needs to accept them or else, you know. Yeah. So mine, I thought Bailey was absolutely perfect for this show. Mm, yeah. He retired. So that was a little. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I would, I agree. I think both of them, both Swaggy, swaggy and Bat, totally. It is totally both of them. I just don't consider them on the list because they're so, they're very formally retired. Yeah. And as their friends, like, I know what's in front of them and the we're talking to, we're, we're now talking about a guy who has become in one year, the most successful challenger of all time. And, and I mean like in life yeah. and I'm not talking uh, and, and that includes Jamie Chunk. That includes Mike, the Miz that includes the Senator from wherever they're swaggy. And then you add in the marriage to Bailey. That is a fucking power couple. And so you start, no wonder they've moved on. Like they're just so, um, they're so successful. And I know that they're, it, it's so hard for certain people to grasp like what I'm saying. Cause, and they won't believe it because they don't want to believe what he's saying. Because it kind of makes them have to challenge their reality. And it makes me have to second guess it. Because I'm like, what the hell is going on? Because he went through beta blocks. So I know the numbers. He is an anomaly, even within Betablocks, who's designed to build successful rocket ship things. He is an anomaly even amongst them. He's not making the most money of our best people, but he's growing the fastest. And he can't, and, and he's had the best first year of anyone. Of, I've been working on this shit for 10 years and he's the best first year entrepreneur out of my entire portfolio. Um, so I want to get into your uh, rivals. Um, obviously, Fernandez has been forever, and you guys worked together last season. But more recently, it's been Bear and also uh, Jordan. Um, so if you could talk about, um, if you could just talk about where you view these rivals as like threats to your game. Um, and obviously, I'm assuming Bananas is number one on the rival list for West, but who is two and three um, for you in your career? Career? Uh, bananas, CT, and Jordan. Okay. Yeah. Now, obviously, my relationship changed with CT. Again, as we've discussed before, when you get partnered with someone, it's very therapeutic. Uh, and so even though I didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things with CT, when I got paired with him, not only just winning the whole show, that is very healthy, but also he opened up to me and showed me a side of him that I had never seen before. And it made me, um, it, it, I garnered a lot of respect for him during that experience. And I think that the feeling was mutual. I think that there were sides of me that he got to see that he liked. And then it, it made it, it, it you know, it, it, we forget that that's why when you phrase it as career and, you know, him and I were at each other's throats for five or six years. Um, so you got to throw him in there. And yeah, I think, but I think that Jordan does get that kind of third spot in there, but I don't view him. I don't view any of them as a threat, um, which is kind of cool because here, here's the deal bananas and ct i believe i can beat in a final um 
I believe that CT will crush me in half the things and I'll crush him in half the things. I think that just the way his body is, is it's like all or nothing for certain games. And, uh, and I'm well-rounded. So that means I'm going to win half the time and he's going to crush me half the time. And with bananas, I think that we're the most evenly matched because we're both just well-rounded. He doesn't have like any crazy big strengths, but he also doesn't have any crazy big weaknesses, which is kind of how I would describe myself. Him and I are, that's, he would probably be my biggest threat then because of what I just said, because it's so evenly matched in a lot of things. Um, And then with Jordan, you know, I, I think that at this point, he is such a good finalist that it is very easy to remind the rest of the cast that he's a really good finalist. And so it's not hard to turn the whole house against him. He doesn't even have to be an asshole, which he is. So the fact that he's an asshole and a phenomenal runner means that he's public enemy number one of any show that two. Um, and his, he doesn't have the inability to turn his mouth off and it is what it is. He is a very good runner. Like, like he's a really, really good, like, like professional runners would say, okay, you're a pretty good runner. Yeah. Um, so since we're talking about your career, I do want to talk about something that you've worked with in the past. Um, Evelyn, who has moved on. She's a lawyer now. Um, she's worked on a couple of political campaigns. She retired after Rivals won, which I believe was in 2010, 2011. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I've asked this before to fellow fans, but I wanted somebody that's been on the challenge and actually been close with her. If she never left, how do you think she would have done from X's onto double agents? If she takes a, maybe a season break here or there, but she does most of the seasons. I think she would have murdered a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, I think that... Um... From a fan standpoint, she the one thing that the one or two things that she was kind of lacking to make her was a little bit of the likability. Like she's not funny, and 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 and, and I, I have to be careful when I say that she's funny when you're like alone drinking with her, you know, out at a bar or whatever. She was I I have such fond memories of those experiences with her, but I also don't like remember thinking back to like a confessional that she had where she just had a really pithy one-liner that just got, that just had me giggling. And nor do I remember a scene that was where she was like with other people and collaborating in like a group joke or something that was highly entertaining. And you need to have those, you need to have the ability to do those. And she didn't. Um, So that, and, and I'm being hypercritical just for the sake of a, of, of the analysis that you're kind of hoping for here. But yes, from an athletic standpoint, from a gamesmanship standpoint, from a political standpoint, she's a fucking 10 out of 10 at all of it. And she would have murdered people along the way. Now, from a fan standpoint, that's why I brought that up kind of first. From a fan standpoint, it would have got annoying because you would have just watched this girl come in and just murder people left and right for another decade. 
and not really enjoyed watching her murder people. It would have gotten boring. Now, and you contrast that with other people that have had, you know, very long win winning times. And you're like, okay, yeah, you're winning. And yeah, that's annoying. But you're making me laugh and making me smile while you're doing it. So I don't mind if you're taking over my screen for 15 years. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, like, you know, lots of things to knock bananas for. But he, and I gotta hate admitting this, but he has the ability to be funny and work a room and be entertaining. And even though he can be very negative sometimes, he also can bring like a very positive, entertaining light to a scene. And it, that apparently is really hard to find. Mm -hmm. I actually talked to Bananas today about this exact thing. Him and I are on completely opposite sides of what we think the future is for the challenge. Um, I think all it's missing is a coach. One person that knows what they're doing from MTV to say, it, it, and to have a little bit of power and they need to be able to make some deals like, okay, we'll give you three seasons, but these are the kind of things that you have to do. This is the protocol that we want you to do. This is the Instead, they give you nothing. Yeah. Nothing. And they're completely just in, and in my opinion, they just, they cast slightly differently. They provide some coaching and more communication and the show is going to be just fine. And they could, they, they could, they could replicate 30 Wes's if they wanted to. Um, it's just every time there's a potential Wes, they lose him or her to bullshit that isn't, that is totally preventable. Like they get fat or they get pregnant or they go back to school because they're not getting paid enough or, or they, 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 they're only funny off camera and not on camera because they don't give them enough reps or whatever. Right. The totally preventable stuff is my, my opinion. I'm, I'm not saying that what I am and have done isn't special because I am. It's just, I think that we're out there and I think that we're, we're replicable. Uh, now, Bananas, and this is, I get a kick out of this. Bananas thinks that there's like two or three of us in the history of the world and that we're irreplaceable, untrainable. It's basically like him and I are bust. That's it. Like, we're just the best. You can't coach us. You can't find us. We don't exist. Um, and, you know... <laughs> even though it's a good compliment to me because he is including me in this small list of like four or five people. Uh, but that's how he feels about this. And I, and I find that to be very comical. So what were your thoughts on Bananas not being there this season after he did, I don't know, 12 straight? Yeah, I think it was probably a smart move. It was a really good one to take off. I mean, shoot, as soon as, as, soon as we start, it's like they like light up the pitchforks and, and, uh, and, and they bring out the pitchforks and, and light up the torches and start going after champions. Yeah. And he's the most decorated champion that there is. So it was a, it was a good one to take off because of that. Um, but it's also hard to say whether or not that would have been the, the shtick if he was there because the main person – lighting up those torches it was cam and leroy and that's you know and leroy and bananas are really good friends so it's very difficult to say what would happen um it i think he probably made the right decision like this this gave him the time to evaluate other business opportunities and get away from it enough to where he missed it and to where they where we all missed him including the fandom um and kind of get you know, take, take a second to calibrate. I mean, you just, he just won. Um, so I think it was probably, it was probably the right 
and most responsible move uh, and a good time to do it. it. It was the right decision, but I can see how it's a hard decision. I probably should take a break and I probably am. Um, but uh, um, it, it's, it's hard to do that. Um, it's a, uh, I don't know. It's, it's we awesome. feel, yeah, we've, we feel because we've done a lot, people are like, Oh, well, you're going to get a million more opportunities, but we're, we're hyper aware that just because we've done a lot doesn't mean we get to do them forever and taking off one or more greatly increases the likelihood that we'll never come back. And that's a very scary decision to make. So talking about taking a break, you took a break from um, Invasion of Final Reckoning. Um, I'm assuming you watched those seasons. Was there a particular season that you were like, I wish I could have been there. I would have loved to do that. I think I probably could have won looking at the cast and the challenges and how the theme was set up. Um, out of those, I think it was four, Invasion, Dirty 30, Vendettas, and Final Reckoning. Um, which one do you wish you would, have, you would have went for if there is one? Well, as a fan, the one that I liked the most was Vendetta's. Okay. That was the introduction of the tribunal. Um, and I love, I loved that. I loved watching it. I loved the people that they had in it. I think that the cast that they had was so good. And it was like the introduction of the UK people. And, um, and Cam was new then, if I remember correctly. And she's like a really good, like likable person as from a fan standpoint and uh and it was just a good i don't know i really i just really enjoyed vendettas that's probably my favorite season to watch that i'm not, not on if i like of all of them that's what has been the most fun fan experience that i've had was that one um i don't think i would have made this show any better so uh that's probably in, in which one was like prime for me or whatever to win. I don't know. Um, you know, I've gone through various stages of fitness in my life. So it's also hard to tell, are you saying like is prime West would have been good for this or would have been like smart West. That's a little out of shape. It's kind of hard to say. Um, I do know that, that they've asked me for every single season, knock on wood. And I respect that. And I love it, but they've never pushed harder for me to be on a show than dirty 30. And I didn't understand why. And they never called me back and never tried to negotiate more and never tried to butter my balls more than, than that one. And then when the, when I found out the theme, I'm like, Oh, okay. I get it. Um, like how could you have the most dirty players of all time and not had their branded most dirty player, not there, it kind of fucked with their theme a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe it's because I'm not the dirtiest player. Maybe I don't qualify as the top 30 dirty players, but, uh, but no, that was the one where normally it's like, they call, you say, no, thank you. They maybe call back. You say, no, thank you. This one, they brought out the bosses um, beyond casting, and they were they were discussing financial restructuring and I don't know, just a bunch of stuff. And it was like, uh, I don't know. It, looking back, it was like um, I don't know. I had them by the balls. I just didn't know why, because um, they're not going to be like, okay, we want you really bad because like the theme. The theme is literally 10% worse if you're not here. Yeah. Um, like the, you, the theme loses 10% of its credibility if you're not here. 
Now we're still going to do it because that's what we're going to do. But if you're not here, the credibility has gone by 10%. And sure as shit, the first day that the trailer aired or whatever, I got a thousand. How is Wes not here? How is Wes? And, and that's, that's why. So I think that if MTV could have it their way and they could only have me for one season, they would have put me on that one. Okay. So one, one theme I want to talk about was War of the Worlds 2. It was the first time we did the two teams in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to be completely honest, the teams were not really fair as you guys were just so much more advanced than Team UK, mm-hmm. even though Team UK ended up winning at the end. Um, but Team US kind of went at each other from the beginning. Um, if that didn't happen or that wasn't an option, realistically speaking, how many members of Team USA do you think you guys could have got to the final? I mean, all of them. Okay. Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> but like that, that's kind of the, and they've tried the team thing, what, four ish times. And every single time it's been like this on the ruins, the champions demolished them on champs first stars. Uh, two, we went seven and oh. Um, the, in the ruins, we went like 10 and one or something like that in, in the USA versus UK. It was like, 12 and two or something. I, I'm making numbers up, but I'm damn close. Um, in Battle of the Sexes, it was like two to one. I mean, the, in the, the team stuff in theory is great on paper. It's just, it, there, it, there always just seems to be these, these imbalances that, that, uh, that, end up ruining the game a little bit. And, and, and that's why everything that I just mentioned are forgotten seasons. So it's a huge risk to do the team ones. Now, when you do 30 fucking six seasons in a row, you've got to throw those type of things in there because they've got to evolve. They've got to change. got to do, you know, you can't say, okay, well, World of Worlds 1 was a great season. And it was phenomenal seasons, successful ratings. Everyone made money. Um, but you can't then say, I mean, this is what survivor does. <laughs> and so maybe you can, they're like, okay, let's just do the same thing over and over and over and over again, same rules, same thing, whatever. And, um, they, they are right when they say, okay, let's change it up. Let's try some new things. And they're going to fall flat on their face sometimes, but they also happen to stumble onto the right answer when they experiment. That's the point of experimentation. That's the point of the scientific method. And, you know, I make fun of Survivor and I'm probably not supposed to anymore now that Viacom and Survivor own it or whatever. But, you know, Survivor came after the challenge. Survivor was obviously inspired by the challenge. The challenge is the innovator and the pioneer of this industry. And that's okay. They can come afterwards or whatever. And they might have the, the, the best single format that there is, but they've done it 40 times. And the challenge, yes, we'll have a season where it's like, whoa, that was bad. But there, as the front running pioneer, leader, innovator of the entire industry, yeah, we're going to, pioneers get arrows in their back. That's the, that happens. And we're going to stumble on the most innovative new shit that there could be because we've got the, the MTV has the freedom of trying new things. Um, and, and so I think that they've got to keep trying various 
forms of teams and uh, it's just sometimes it falls flat on its face. Mm -hmm. So I got two more questions before we wrap it up. Um, I want to pitch something to you that I saw on Twitter about a two team format that some people thought this season was going to be um, half one team is if you debuted on an MTV show, real world, real rules, are you the one? And then the other one is you didn't debut big brother survivor UK people. Um, what were you, what would your thoughts be on that type of two team season? Cause that, I think uh, I have not heard that one. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, no, that checks off a lot of boxes um, and makes a lot of sense. And then uh, it spreads out the alliances. So there's not like all these kind of gangs. It forces people to like hybridly work together. Um, I think that's a very good idea. I had not heard that one. It's so simple that it's so simple it works. It's so simple that it's smart, right? Sometimes the smartest stuff is like these like really eloquent and simple, um, you know, evolutions. And that, and, and I think that that, that would be a really good, I would watch that. I would be on that. Um, but I would watch that. And that's the main question. And, and yeah, if, if, from a functional standpoint, that's a phenomenal idea. Yeah. The running out of um, originally on MTV people though. Yeah. So that if they're going to do that, they need to do it now. Um, cause they're running out of it. Cause there's no, are you the one, no real world? No. Yeah. At this point, at this point, it's like, it's going to start to be eventually all people that hail from other channels and MTV is just kind of where you graduate to. Yeah. Um, so my last question, you've been on the challenge for a while. In your opinion, the top three males to ever do it and the top three females to ever do it. And you can put yourself in there if you want to. Well, I don't want to, I have to. <laughs> so um, yeah, I mean, Banana CT and I, okay. like it is what it is. So boring of an answer, but it is what it is. Like, are there people that are more athletic than us that have been on the show? Yes. Are there people that are funnier than us that have been on the show? Yes, maybe, but barely, if, if at the very least tied. Are there better looking people than us that have been on the show? Yes. There are these like one hit wonders in one area of things that have been on the show that are better than us. Fair, but in the challenge, it's scored on a rubric. And in the rubric, there's 15, 20, 30 different categories. Every category is weighted differently because it's different importance to the viewer but there's a lot of categories and a lot of potential points to score. And when it comes to who scores the most points, it's us three. So, um, you know, it is what it is. You can, you can sit back and you say, Oh, I'm the best runner. I would have won a final. I would have, I would have murdered you at a final. It's like, yeah, but we would have beat you up in a pit before you even got to the final. Or you're like one of those big dudes. It's like, Oh man, I would murder you all in a, in a pit. And we'd be like, we know which is why we would let you skate to the final and then you would get last place. Um, or you're like, Oh, I'm hilarious. I'd take over and all this stuff. It's like, sure. But as you get clowned on the sport side of things and not invited back because of it, or a really well-rounded athlete, like uh, comes in and like does pretty good, but then is boring as fuck and his complete wallpaper might as well be houseplant. They don't get invited back. The rubric matters and um anyone who and, and that's why you can't ever really rest on your laurels because there's always more places to score points 
And so anyone who doesn't understand the rubric kind of theory that I've got on things probably needs to Google what rubrics mean and, and, and then, and then, um, and then try and work on themselves. Now on the female side, a lot harder to score. Um, but based on all the shit that I just talked, you got to give it to Kara as one of them, right? Because from a rubric standpoint, she's done a really good job becoming very well-rounded and scoring a lot of points. Um, you know, uh, even though we just talk shit on Evelyn not being very funny, it's hard not to put Evelyn in that top three because she still scores borderline maximum points on so many other different categories. And um, maybe a little early to tell, but Cam's got a lot of potential here. Like, uh, you know, I see, I see the future of the challenge and I see her face. So it's hard not to, a, a, a Mount Rushmore shit. No, not at all. I mean, you, you, she hasn't won. She hasn't, at any time she's had an actually challenging elimination, she's lost. Um, you know, so there's, there's some hard realities that she's got to triumph over, but she's got the potential to take that crown. Um, so maybe that's an interesting answer. Okay. Um, so I want to say thanks for coming doing this um and then is there anything this is the time just to shout anything out anything you want to say last words time's yours yeah uh you know i sell lots of shit in infinite amounts of shit and if you're interested in what i sell hit up my link in bio but otherwise i just want to thank you and the challenge community it was very positive and fun chatting with you and i drank a couple of beers while i did so i've had a nice little enjoyable time and you put a smile on my face and i just want to thank you or anyone else that's listening that's really cool you know i uh i have long ago just kind of like gotten myself out of the shoes of being a challenger and more like I'm a fan that snuck onto my favorite show. And so if I'm, the, I, I, I just am appreciative of the whole ecosystem and everyone that watches and, and, and what they've put together and everything. And it, it is a, it's a special thing. And I'm just really proud to be a part of it. And I'm very happy that there's people like you that are out here kind of engaging with the show in ways beyond just sitting on your couch and watching it, because that'd be boring. And you're taking it to another level that's kind of fun. And hopefully, Avi, for you, um, you know, it gives you a lot of uh, um, sparks joy, if you will. Mm -hmm. That's the interview with Wes. I would like to thank everybody for listening. Um, our social medias will be in the description. You can find me at on Twitter and Instagram at Dylan underscore Deckard underscore. And Wes is at Weston Bergman. Thanks again. And I'll see you next time.